The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me now. Only thing that's on my mind is to go on this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasker Sports Talk Radio, Phoenix, Arizona, October 23rd, I believe. Uh, Alex Clancy, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. Got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover today. Uh, we're going to start with Lance Armstrong, go to the NFL, give a little uh, negative shout-out to ASU, potentially. And then for Cindy, we're going to do the baseball playoffs. And Thank then you. we're going to start, uh, we have a new segment at the end of the show. We're going to do our good, bad, and ugly over the past week in the world of sports. Quickly... Deborah, how was your weekend? Oh, was, how was San Diego? It was good. Had fun in San Diego over there at a conference. Uh, always hanging out in San Diego was fun. And then uh, the minute I got off the plane Saturday night, drove over to uh, the racetrack, I forgot what it's called, Firebird, and did the Neon Splash Dash. Now, you talk about fun. Family event, lots of hard-pounding music and uh, stations that you could walk, run, or limp through that they... Uh, had to wear a white T-shirt, and every station was a different color, and they would splash you head to toe with all sorts of neon paint. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of good people out there, and uh, very well put together. Nice. Cindy? That sounds like fun. Uh, I spent the weekend at Salt River Fields, um, literally. I was there for, I think, 12 hours on Saturday and 10 hours on Sunday. We had um, the Taco Festival. Woo! And then the Fall League. Uh, we're playing... Playing Fall League Baseball, it's pretty much the best baseball you'll ever see. So oh, I'm throwing it into the first seg- segment. Yeah. Um, best baseball that you'll ever see for seven bucks. So. I think that's almost oxymoronical, but uh, we're, we're going to digress. Uh, Lance Armstrong. And your weekend. Oh, my weekend was phenomenal. Okay. You know, it's always phenomenal. Just because you were there or for what reason? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I just, I'm so happy that this is the best time of the year for sports. Football, mm-hmm. baseball that matters, and then the basketball starting up. Right. I mean, it's, I don't really think you can get any better than this. All right, well, Lance Armstrong, uh, as it's been previously reported many times over all avenues, has been stripped of his seven Tour de France mm-hmm. wins. Uh, more things have come out recently with his teammates, uh, you know, coming up against him, kind of scapegoating him in a way that uh, I'm so pissed at what they're doing. Like, it's, I, I can, okay, so Devil's Advocate, I can see why they'd be, why do, who's they? Uh, the U.S. Postal Service team, you know, Tyler Hamilton Got and it. Floyd Landis, all these guys, they've been trying to out him forever, maybe because he's the most popular, maybe because he's won the most times, pretty much they were riding for him. They were cycling for him because... He got the attention and they didn't. Right. Hmm. Now, except for negative attention, Floyd Landis, after Lance Armstrong retired, he won the next one and then was was popped for doping. (laughs) Top three finishers in the seven Tour de France wins that he had, 20 out of the 21 have been linked to doping. So, say you strip it from him, who do you give it to? The seventh place guy? 
that maybe wasn't doping. I mean, it's impossible to pick a winner. Maybe that's why they're not going to. That, that's why they're not going to deem anybody the winner for those seven because all of them have cheated. Now, cycling. We thought that boxing might have been the dirtiest sport in on the planet. I think cycling, head and shoulders above everything else, is just it's a cheater's game. Well, so, it's a it's a single person sport in reality. I don't care if it's supposedly teams and all mm-hmm. that, but it's like boxing or any other single person sport. There's a lot of pressure on the individual to do well, and uh, it's just interesting as to you know going forward where's going to be the validity in anything having to do with cycling. Yeah. Right. Everything's going to be in question from now on. Sure, and the Lance Armstrong era, quote unquote, is what this is being uh, what is being called. It's ridiculous. It's it's not like steroids. I mean, steroids has been I think that we as a nation have gotten through the steroid era more or less. You know, with with uh, 50 game suspension for first offense, 100 game for the second, that kind of takes care of business. Melky Cabrera this year was one. I believe there was one other, but you know, they're few and far between now. With cycling, there's no end in sight. You know, it's there's so many competitors, there's so many people that are racing, as you said, Deborah, for themselves. I don't know if there's ever any way to be able to get doping out of the sport, especially with being able to dodge all the doping that apparently Lance Armstrong did for, I think that the actual number of times he was tested was around 280, they say 500, but, you know, uh, everything else is false so and fake, so why would that be true? Now, the other thing is he's got to pay some money back. The French Cycling Federation is asking for 2.95 million euros, which equates to about $4 million American, and SCA Promotions, his insurance company, uh, it covered him 1.5 million in 2002 for the win, 3 million in 2003, 5 million in 2005 that they almost that they withheld from him because he was the first time linked to doping. So Lance Armstrong took him to court, and they ended up paying him 7.5 mil due to attorneys' fees and court costs. So that adds uh, equates to about 12 million dollars. So that's 16 million bucks that he's got to shell out for cheating, which I think. If he was cheating, that's vindication right there. That's you got to pay back sixteen million dollars. But how can you pay back for something that went to court and you won? Even if you were wrong, you won. You won. Yeah. It's like a murderer going to trial and they get off. <laughs> OJ, um, how can you go back and retry him again and ask for the money back? Well, but it's just because the, that's the monetary value that they. Shelled out to him. That was that. that so was, now there'll be what was no that, seven years ago. Pockets of money being put out for attorneys back and forth to maybe settle it out of court. Yeah, yeah. that's. That, I mean, that's uh, unfortunately with the, even that amount of money is kind of a side note in this whole right. in this whole thing, especially because he's made so much money. And unless he's been stockpiling it, where is he going to get it? Because he's just lost all of his sponsor. I mean, he has he has nothing coming in at this point. So yeah. unless he's been investing well. Mm-hmm. It, it's probably going to be a, a bankruptcy kind of thing if they're well, going to get it. And from the human aspect of this, who is he? Because if Lance Armstrong was, you know, the guy, you know, when it came to cycling, and now you strip all of that away, who who is he? You he's, know? he's Livestrong, even though he has stepped down. That that's is, that'll absolute, always that's be Lance absolutely Armstrong. true. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And I give him, you know, all sorts of kudos for that because you can't cheat at that. Right. Um, but as an individual, that's got to be a little tough for him to go through to even show up at those events, even with everything he's done to uh, get through and come through cancer, um, to stand up there with the name that he used to have. And now he's not even apologized or explained in any way, shape or form. He's just showing up saying, 
no, please still give. Yeah, this is uh, this is the Ernest Hemingway one seventh of the ice. I mean, this is the tip. This yeah. is mm-hmm. this is nothing. <laughs> this is going to be nothing two months from now when all this stuff mm-hmm. starts to come out. I wouldn't talk either if I was him. You yeah, know, everything not, else, yeah, you don't want to admit to it because you've already got everybody looking at the pocketbooks and as to who can get what from who. And this still also gives hope that he didn't, that he didn't cheat. Because there's no real evidence. This is all hearsay from people that have something out against him. The French have been trying to get him. The French, the, the, fe, the uh, Federation have been trying to get him since he won the first time. They don't want an American winning that award. Mm-hmm. So now they, had, they went on a witch hunt. They got him. Lance Armstrong is more or less dead. And now they can move on, I guess. But I'm curious about Nike and some of the, the big boys who were you know, sponsors and when they're jerking away their sponsorship. They don't do that for just no reason whatsoever. I mean, they've sponsored guys who have gone off track and held their sponsorship with them when it was a moral issue. Um, yeah, Tiger so lost Tiger, everything. Tiger lost all of his Tiger sponsors. lost everything. Well, Tiger, but there's been others that they've stood behind. So I'm just I'm just curious as to what is out there, and is there any real proof someplace? Yeah, or I mean, not? I'm sure there is. There has to be somewhere. I mean, the Tyler Hamilton thing was it was chilling. What it, what he wrote in his book, I, I read an article about it, and it was. It, the most sophisticated, you know, doping scheme, dodging thing that I mean in cycling history, and about how Lance Armstrong used to used to bribe people for to let him win. Uh, like here, I'll, I'll give you ten grand if you let me win this race. So I mean, some people like middling cyclists. That's a lot of money, and I mean, it. it there's a lot of money can buy a lot of things. Yeah, there's a lot of potential truth in, but a, a potential truth. Obviously, we, we have no idea. Kenya Simone, what's up, girl? How's it going? Good. Hey, Kenya. Oh, it's like hey. the it's like the view again. I wish you were sitting here next to us. Uh, so we're, we're talking Lance you Armstrong. You like the view, dude? You know it. You know you do. I don't even know what channel it's on. He secretly likes it. Oh, no, I mean the view Kenya, in this room. I will. Ha- I will have Mark hang up. Uh, no, one one cool thing though is that which doesn't really make much sense, but they're letting him keep all his gold jerseys. I don't know if uh, they'd make him burn them because they're pretty much burning with the stake to begin with. So. Oh, check eBay. Yeah, right? really. Well, He's that's gonna funny. He's going to need to raise yeah, some that's, money. <laughs> that's a good point. So, I mean, Kenya, in your opinion, do you think that because he overcame cancer and it was a pretty severe type, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. loosely defined, I mean, or, I mean, it's all relative, but a pretty sure. severe form of cancer, do you think that that will help his legacy in the long run, even though he's looked as one of the biggest cheaters of all time now? Yeah, I think it'll give him a couple of sympathy votes if nothing else, but the fact remains that he cheated. He did what he did, and he should suffer some of the consequences for it. I mean, he beat cancer. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great, feel-good story. But I think that, you know, he has to separate the two from his profession and actually what his condition was. And I don't, I don't know if people are going to be able to do that very quickly. Yeah, there'll always be an asterisk next to his name. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing is, and this is kind of a very, very humanizing question of a guy that we used to look at as a god, for 11 years, he was mm-hmm. on top of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the Livestrong making f- over $400 million for cancer research, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is, is, a, is a superhuman feat. He won sure. seven times on the, on, the t- on the Tour de France. Now, is that going to supersede everything else that's, that, that may come out? Like, say, so say he cheated, so, so does everybody else. He won seven times. Absolutely. Okay, mm-hmm. so... If everybody's cheating, he is the best. He's the best. He's still the best cyclist. No, no, no. He's still the best cyclist. It's a level playing field. If 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 everybody's cheating, eighty percent of the people are cheating. Did I I cheat better than you cheated? Yeah. Well, no, no. That's not no. If everybody's taking the same thing, they're on the same play. You've you've leveled the playing field. So he still wins. Okay, it's a three week damn race. 
Okay? That is, it's impossible to do that without help. So hundreds and hundreds and thousands of miles. So of, you're saying it's okay cycling. to dope? No. I'm saying that I think the Tour de France is ridiculous <laughs> to begin with. So he's got his finger up now. Watch it. He's pointing. Yeah, I'm gonna, so my legs are going to start shaking soon. Uh, so I mean, with that now, which which supersedes which? I mean, and granted, we don't know everything that's going to come out with all this stuff until you know months from now. But I think that those 11 years of being a human, with raising, starting the Livestrong thing, doing the the yellow bracelets, overcoming cancer, winning the Tour de France. I mean, that is superhuman. What he did. No, it really, really it, is. But I'm just trying to figure out where are all these people coming from because people are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, I watched him, and we were roommates, and and I saw what he had in the refrigerator, and he and told me to help him. But exactly. No one was trying to come out before now. Why do like they? Yeah. Why now? Well, but you know, you look at it too. I mean, in today's world, everybody's looking for the next book, the next interview, yeah. the next whatever. I knew him when. Whether that's somebody going up the ladder or down the ladder, if you can do the "I knew him when," then mm-hmm. you get on the TV shows, the radio shows, and hey, you, you, know, you get your book. Yeah. And, and yeah. nobody wants to be that icebreaker. Nobody wants to be the first person to come out and and call, throw him under the bus. But once he's already under the bus, they might as well. No, oh, it's a pack mentality. Yeah, power yeah. numbers, absolutely. True. And I mean, and nobody's ever been able to over. <laughs> He was he was a, a god in human form. Like uh, looking back on him, like he did nothing wrong. Before all these allegations came out, he was the perfect human being. Okay, that's for, debatable. As as, you know, I keep waiting that. for you to get up, get up off your knees because <laughs> no, I know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just, okay, you know what? We're not talking Tiger Woods here, all right? But seriously, I mean, if you look at it, no, the man's done some great things. There's no doubt about it. We're we in a society of what have you sure. done for me lately? And Livestrong is one know. of the greatest things to mm. come. I mean, for cancer, that was one of the hugest things to come for cancer support that that I am aware of. Um, mm-hmm. So um, some good things have definitely he's come done out of some that, good things. Absolutely, rain, you know, on the top. But let me ask this: Nike is parting ways with him. Oakley is dropping him. Don't, mm-hmm. Isn't there any um, like? Don't they? look into that before they start giving these people endorsements? You would think. Look into their backgrounds or what their extracurriculars are. They just give them multi-million dollar endorsements. Well, well, I mean, and then when this happens, they just part ways. Like, who investigates that? Well, and I think they do at the time, but if at the time, whenever they initially went into the deals with him, everything was going well, and then you know, commercials, he kept winning, and then, you know, had cancer. That's just another media blitz, you know, mm-hmm. those type of things. So they keep making money. So if there's nothing out there to investigate, they may not investigate any further than they absolutely have to That's until right, it becomes yeah. in their best interest to mm-hmm. investigate the other direction and yeah. see so what has he done wrong for while us. while it's rolling, and then once it stops, everybody jumps off. Right. Right. It's almost like they go in with blinders on and go, you know, as long as it's good mm-hmm. for us, that's well, what's we'll I mean, I think I think that plus doping didn't really become well known until Lance Armstrong started winning a lot. So maybe the the silk screen they had to go through was a little bit, you know, was a little looser than what it would be now. Yeah, it's the thing. You look at you, you sit in those boardrooms and you look at, okay, here's the rumors, here's our bottom line. Like our bottom line more than we like the rumors, so let's keep right on going and we'll keep an eye on it. Right. I mean, and this isn't the first time. I mean, look at Tiger Woods. That was a moral issue. That was something that didn't have anything to do with sports. Well, this has something to do with sports. So this one, I would, if if you're Nike, no question, you drop him. And with the yeah, media, with Tiger the media, was cheating, but not on his sport. Right, media right. and marketing, <laughs> media marketing, PR. The move is to stay with Livestrong to continue to support that because you would be looked at as, oh, I don't. 
care enough about cancer to stay. Right. Well, and that's yeah. the one thing about these, you know, Nike and the others, that they have stated that they'll still stand behind the uh, foundation, the Livestrong Foundation, just, you know, they're dropping Lance. So I give him kudos for that. Well, and with yeah. him stepping down, too, he started it, but he is not the only... It is a big foundation. There are a lot of people involved, and it's become so huge that with him stepping down, yeah, they can they can continue to, ba- to well. To I mean, back it. It, it's still him. It'll always it'll always be him. Whoever runs it, it doesn't matter. Well, and he's still showing up. As far as I understand, he's still right. showing up at the um, you know events and that that they're having, and good for him for doing that because he needs to on a couple levels, and one of them is for him to get his life back, uh, yeah. to get past the uncomfortable feeling of walking into those events and people are whispering saying hi how you doing and then whispering as you continue to walk by mm-hmm. um, until the whispers start to die down and his legacy of what he's done as far as his own personal cancer uh, overcoming cancer uh, starts to take the forefront so Deborah in in a recovery head head place um, that's a technical with, term I for know it. that was a tech <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my brain's going faster than my mouth is right now um, he needs something to grab with everything that's been going on with him and him getting knocked down and losing pretty much everything. Isn't a live wouldn't live strong? Would that be like a good thing for him to grasp onto to help? It could keep be him? if he does it in the right way. It's just like anybody transitioning out of a sport as well, where all of a sudden you lose a uniform and you lose your name, or so they think. Right. It's finding if I, again, if I'm not that, then what am I? So if he can build his personal identity um, in a new, slightly new and different way and start to live it, and as long as he's doing it for the right reasons, um, then it can be very powerful. If he's doing it even subliminally for the wrong reasons, it'll start to take him down. So that's an internal thing that he has to figure out. I just can't see cycling without him. Like, I thought he was going to make another comeback, Mm. like before all this stuff came out. I mean, being 41, I mean, he's still... What he's, I mean, there's, there's no script for what he can do. Well, I mean, and for how long, anytime cycling comes up, there's going to be conversations about Lance Armstrong, no matter sure. you know what. Right. I mean, but he's not Barry Bonds. I mean, he's not Sammy Sosa. I think that he's, and I think, and uh, to answer my own question that I asked Kenya earlier, I really think that the the cancer thing that I mean that he had, and then the the live strong thing, I think that it's going to kind of soften the blow for his legacy. It has mm-hmm. to. It has to. So. Mm-hmm. It's um it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, in the next couple months. We will definitely be reporting on it as we hear more information. We're, uh, we're going to move not so gracefully uh, into the NFL. Uh, <laughs> we kind of went through the break because I, that was an intriguing conversation. Let's let's start with the Cardinals. Um, Who? Yeah, let's the make what? this let's make this quick. <laughs> Cardinals lose twenty one fourteen to the Vikings. They're not good. No. So here's the thing. So, like the, the fact that they beat the, the fact that they beat the fact that they beat New England and Philadelphia, New England on the road. You know, fluke. I think would be an understatement. Uh, well, it was a fluke because we talked about that before. It was a couple of blown plays on the Patriots mm-hmm. that kept them from winning. It wasn't because the Cardinals did that something great. Now, the big thing is the, uh, the offensive line gave up seven sacks yesterday. Uh, which is you know par for the course at this point. Missing Levi Brown, uh, Beanie Wells, Ryan Williams, uh, those injuries I don't really care about. I mean it's it's more of uh, Larod Stevens-Helling had a great day. Twenty carries, 104 yards, uh, four catches, 45 yards against a pretty good defense. Roberts had a good day too. Yeah, he had. Uh, but John Skelton, I mean it's a, it's the quarterback position. 
and John Skelton is, seemed to be uh, regressed from from where he was last year. He, he ended the season really well last year when it, when it didn't matter. Now they have San, uh, San Francisco coming up Monday night. And well, we keep flipping quarters as to you know the quarterback situation, who's in, who's out, you know injuries. No, no line to protect them. I mean, the whole aspect of the offense is suspect. Right. I mean, and the thing, <laughs> the Cardinals, the most points they've given up this year is 21. Mm. So the defense is doing their job. Uh, it's just there's no there's there's no fluidity. There's no passion. I mean, it's just not. I I, I think that they've already they're already resigned to their fate. Especially after the last week, and they have San Francisco coming in Monday. If they can beat San Francisco somehow, they're going to San Francisco, aren't they? No, they go to San Francisco the last game of the season, I do believe. Doesn't yeah, matter. San Francisco's at home. So the remaining the remaining win loss record for the teams they have to play is thirty seven and twenty three, and that's including Detroit, who's two and five. You know, uh, it, it's it's going to be a really tough road. I I hope they win six games. You know, especially starting four zero. That's it, it's going to be. Yeah, they can't be a be rebuilding made. team every year. Right, and they, they, they need to they need to bring in a package where bring in two guys that can feed off each other. Like I, I think they should trade for Chris Johnson personally. I, I've heard it on the radio, little buzz in Arizona. He's had he has a tough situation in Tennessee. In Arizona, you know, maybe he could kind of kickstart his career again after, even though he had a huge day uh, this past weekend. But something yeah, needs too. to change. Go ahead, Kenya. No, I was just going to say, how do you say, though, that the first four wins for your season were a fluke? Do you really think that? Like, they're just... No, they can't be. They can't win. Sometimes you beat the team, sometimes the team beats themselves, but you still get the W. Right, and I I would agree with you because I look at it as, you know, they were on a roll. And they were doing well. They were meshing. You know, they messed up here and there, but they also had some really good plays. And you're right, they Mm -hmm. won. So when it comes to, you know, football... Um, a win is a win, no matter how you get it. Um, and I think they ended up with some injuries, and they had a quarterback that got the shit beat out of them, and um, things started going downhill from there. He started hesitating and second-guessing himself, got injured again, and then we're flipping quarterbacks another time, and then the offense has to learn all over again, or so they seem to think. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, let's look at it. Seattle, they won 20-16. to 16. John Skelton gets hurt, Kevin Cobb comes in and uh, leads the team down in the last couple of minutes to score a touchdown, okay? New England, Goskowski misses a field goal at the end of the game on a Ryan Williams fumble in deep in their territory. Uh, Philly, that was a good one, but I mean, Michael Vick is, is you know, a glass... Uh, Michael Vick. Yeah. Michael Vick, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. they fumbled the ball 16 times and, and uh, Arizona won that game. Miami, they, they should have lost. They ended up winning in overtime. I mean, St. Louis, uh, not a good team. Uh, they lost 17 to three on Thursday night. Granted, it was a short week after a after emotional win in overtime, but I don't know if there's any excuse, especially as you said, Deborah. You have, to, I mean, winning is winning, uh, and, well, and they keep going to overtime too. So, so yeah. many times, which wears you out. I mean, playing football itself takes you a week of recovery, and then to keep going into overtime, which takes yeah, extra energy and body, you know, beaten up and all that type of thing. Right, and Buffalo's not a good team. They lost to them in overtime. Minnesota rookie quarterback. He threw for I believe 58 yards, and they ended up winning. It's just not. There's something's amiss, and I don't know if it's in the front office or something where they need to take a chance on somebody that has has played more than seven, uh, has started more than seven uh, NFL games before bringing him in and giving him 60 million dollars. Uh, Kevin Cobb. 
So I, I mean, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks because they have a murderer's row coming up: San Francisco, at Green Bay, at Atlanta. Those three games. If they lose those three, uh, see you next year. So I mean, it, it all starts I gotta to recover go. when they play the Bears and they take us down by some fluke. No, I, I, oh, no, yeah, I, I, Kenya, I think they'll beat the Bears. I mean, I'm not gonna, so. I mean, that that's just me, you know. I, I mean, I don't. They don't call me Nostradamus for anything. So, um, <laughs> spell that if you would please. Uh, N N O S T R A D A M U S. Bam. Bam. Okay, uh, I digress. He's awake now. I am awake now. Uh, yeah, I mean, and did you guys have any anything anything to take away from the NFL weekend? The Packers won Aaron Rodgers nine touchdown passes in the last two weeks, so he's back. They're scary again uh, at four and three. They're on a winning streak, so people don't really um, remember what happened at the beginning of the season. Uh, and I believe Still that the Bears Hail Mary, won. I believe that the Hail Mary against <laughs> Seattle will be a, a, a long lost memory. The Bears look really good. Yeah, the Bears did. look really good. No can bad. you can no you know bad. I don't like giving you shout outs. <laughs> I can't wait till basketball season when I can just <laughs> I can just roll over you. Yeah, because uh, the road is out really you're gonna take advantage of us on that. Uh, yeah, on, absolutely, because they're 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 a C plus team without Derrick Rose. So uh, you know it's not basketball season yet. Hey, can you? He's the type when you're down, he's gonna kick you two or three exactly. times and then stomp you once. Oh well, I have I have facts to back it up though. I'm not saying I don't like their colors, so they're a bad team. Just to go back to this five and one bear so yep. uh, team that we're talking about right now. The game Monday night football was amazing last night. Um, the only thing is, I, I really, really wanted them to remain scoreless, the Lions. But you know, of course, that late in the fourth quarter, I think it was like thirty six seconds or something like something ridiculous left on the clock yeah. when they actually scored. So we'll give them that. But um, yeah, we're rolling out. We are rolling, and it's, it's looking and feeling good. This this looks like the early two thousands uh, Bears defense that it's got you guys to the Super Bowl. It's like, hard for me to root for the Bears. That, that because you don't like that the took why? yesterday was because was very scary for us. We thought it could all be over right now. You know he was down for they say like almost a minute. Right. And it just looked really really bad. So I was we were all very thankful. You know when he was able to get up and come back in after the next play. So. Well, that's the thing that's interesting to me is that, uh, you know, we talk about Adama and Sue and his, you know, well, the Lions in general and their, mm-hmm. you know, dirty plays and hits and that type of thing. And there's been some discussion as to whether there's going to be a penalty around that. And for the most part, people are saying it is kind of suspect whenever he landed on Cutler, but the hit itself was a good hit. Um, yes, and part of I'm sorry, that, that he had his arm kind of behind his back, and I don't know if it was going to be like a horse collar. It just looked really, really fishy. Yeah, well, the one thing I look at and I'm, I'd be kind of curious about is yeah, Cutler's uh, kind of got a little of a reputation for being a whiner, mm-hmm. and yet he didn't say anything afterwards about it. So even though he was hit hard, and I'm sure he's suffering today because of it, um, sure. I didn't hear any whining coming out of him. And that's a rarity. Well, I mean, when you're winning, it's 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 you don't really have to whine. You don't really have anything to whine about. I don't think that hit was malicious at all. I think Ndamukong Sue's history preceded him there, and he's just a big boy. He's been throwing down people since he was 15 years old. It's yeah. not. I don't. I, I, that's football. There's there's a lot of tech because wasn't um, the Niners that were complaining about the Seahawks? Yeah. Too physical. Phys- football's a physical sport. That's it's what it's about. Sport. Yeah. Um, sure. It's about that. I mean, it used to be back in the 70s. That was the defense. That was what it was all about. The steel curtain, you know, and all these, the heavy hitting, hard hitting defenses. And now it seems like if somebody throws a hit like that, 
everyone's complaining about they're hitting me too hard, they're hitting us too hard, they're hitting too hard. That's what football is. Yeah, well, I mean, in, on the other side of that, safety has become the number one concern for everybody. Right. So, granted, it looked bad, and he was down in it. I mean, you never want anybody to get hurt. You don't want, especially even if you hate the team, you don't want anybody to get hurt, especially season-ending surgery. Like, I was joking about Derrick Rose, Kenya. Like, I, you never want anybody You never want anybody to get injured, especially you don't want to win because somebody, the best player on the other team's injured. Yeah, and you never want that to happen. Yeah, they're right. still part of a brotherhood. And with media and, you know, uh, Twitter, like, 78 cameras on every game, everything is going to be under a microscope because sure. that hit, if that was in the 70s, you'd see it once, you wouldn't see a replay, and that would be it. Everybody, woohoo! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's just not, it, it's a different time now, and I think Roger Goodell gets a lot of crap, but it's starting to work. It's starting like the fines. It's this is going to be the slowest process of anything that's ever happened in the NFL because it is a violent game and people know that going into it when you start playing it at Pop Warner. So with what he's trying to do, he's trying to revolutionize the sport, which has never happened. So I think in his defense, it's starting to work. The fines, granted, they're going to complain about the fines, which is fine, which I understand, but it's working. And I really think that if he stays in, if he stays the commissioner for another 10 or 12 years, I think that things really will start to change as much as they can in, in the most, you know, a physical game and violent game on the planet. Maybe take away rugby. I have one question yeah. as long as we're still on football before we change sports, too. Um, I wanted to know what you guys thought about Terrell, Sugg, Terrell Suggs playing again so quickly and the rushing back from his Achilles injury. I don't think it was rushing back. I think that he's just a, he's, he's a physical marvel just like Adrian Peterson is. I mean, I think some guys just, granted, maybe 15 years from now it's going to be a problem, but because, you know, the wear and tear after he, reti- after he retires, but um, we actually do have to take a break, though, because we went through the first one. Cormier Lasseter Sports Talk, Alex Lancey, <laughs> Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. Kenny Simone, we'll be back. flagship station for sports voice america sports do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah DeVries, Cindy Liska in studio. Kenya Simone from Chicago. We haven't talked to her in a while. I'm glad she's back on the show. Good to be back with you guys. I know. It's good to hear your voice. So we were just, yeah, me too. We were just talking about the NFL. Now we're going to move to the baseball playoffs. Um, the World Series is set. Detroit Tigers, San Francisco Giants. San Francisco wins Game 7 last night handily. Um... I, I don't know how they're doing what they're doing. Uh, the Giants have never really been a run-scoring team. You know, like the NL West is is notorious for not heralding huge uh, huge uh, run-scoring teams in, in recent history. They they outscored St. Louis twenty to one in the last three games. Come back from three one. They they did that twice. They came back. They saved off elimination for I think six games. Uh, they were down 2-0 to Cincinnati, then one came, went and went uh, three in a row in Cincinnati to get to the NLCS, and they you know, came back from 3-1 to make it to the World Series, which is unbelievable. And they will be hosting the World Series because the exhibition game that means something, the All-Star game, falls into their favor again, which is uh, unfair. Unfair. Uh, we don't really, I don't know, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I think you got to give, no give a lot of credit to Bochi, though. Bruce yeah. Bochy is an amazing coach. Nothing rattles him. He's like always got the same demeanor no matter if they're up by 10 or down by 10. Um, and I think that stability has to do a lot for the guys on the team. Yeah, I think managing a lot of it has to do with the talent you have, though. I mean, granted, you're, you're calling the plays, you're calling the buns, you're calling the steals. Uh, you know, you're, you're given the uh, starting rotation, you're doing the relief. I mean, it's I in my opinion, I think the talent means so much in baseball when it comes to managing. I, I know that's across the board. I mean, I know that sounds like a dumb thing to say, but Wouldn't be he, he, uh, he coached... The manager's the one that pulls Lindsay come out of the bullpen. Yeah? Or out of... off the bench and puts him in, in as a reliever. He's a starter. <laughs> yeah, Marcus Scudero. I mean, Scudero had 14 hits in this series, so he didn't do anything for that. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying, absolutely. That that broke uh, Bruce Bochy, you know, he's, yeah, he's a solid, solid manager. I think that there's something special about this team, though, like there was when they won the World Series the first time. Uh, ALCS Detroit sweeps the Yankees. The Yankees swept for the first time since 1980 uh, against the Royals. It's um, as you give it to him, say what you say. What you told me off the air. It's in. Well, it, what? No? What did I say? Oh, okay. Uh, all the all the. The divisional series games oh. went, went the went the distance. So did the NLCS. The ALCS was a sweep by Detroit. Detroit looks really good. So this is this is interesting because this is interesting because Detroit has the most talent in the majors, and then you have the the Giants who are look like the destined team again. So it'll be really interesting to see these two polar opposite teams face off, and especially with San Francisco having a home field. It's going to be a great series. Um, I think it's funny, though. I think the Yankees could have done more. Uh, I read an article about the fact that it really upset them that they were getting booed. Okay. Um, at, is that the first time that anybody's ever booed the Yankees? No. I think that the Yankees are a team of 
over the hill, overpaid players. Prima so Donna's? I think that's why they don't need to be prima donna just because they get, make a lot of money. You know, uh, A Rod, no, A Rod is are. one. Name another one besides A Rod. Jeter. How is Jeter a prima donna? Jeter's will go down as one of the top ten baseball players of all time. I think so, Matt Kemp is a bit of a prima donna. Yeah. What? Because he gets because he makes a lot of money. Matt Kemp hasn't done anything so wrong. <laughs> and I also found it funny that the Marlins. There was talk that the Marlins were talking to A Rod, and they quickly jumped on that and said, "No, we're not." Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't want him. We, no, we're not. <laughs> Alex, Rodriguez, Alex, I think Alex Rodriguez is going to have a good year next year. I think this was an a why, this was an opening. Why are you laughing? I don't think so. Oh well, you know. I disagree I, you with know, you. Well, I'm wrong then. Okay, moving on. Um, no, I think, and I. I don't think that they're made a prima that they're prima donnas. I think because they get paid a lot, they get looked at as that. Alex Rodriguez is one fine. Okay, he's going to get chicks numbers in the middle of a game that he got pulled out of because he didn't perform in, in the in the previous games. Derek Jeter has done nothing wrong. He doesn't make as much money as them. He's known as the captain, as we talked about last week. I almost resent what you said because just because of Derek Jeter alone. Okay. Deborah, yes, I am. Yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> Okay, well, I think there's no better time than that to jump into Down and Dirty with Deborah. So actually, Deborah will actually pay attention to what we're talking about. I keep waiting for something worth paying attention to. Um, Wake so up when you're done. Down and Dirty with Deborah. We're going to talk about hoping is for amateurs. And here's the way I look at it, is that, you know, if you've got guys at a level of the playoffs and the World Series, Championship Series, those type of things, if... If these guys, guys, gals, whoever are standing around hoping that their dream is going to come true, they they got a problem. You know, if you've got a pitcher standing on a mound or a batter, you know, walking up to the plate, they've got to know that they can make something happen. They've got split-second decision-making to do, and the situation is unpredictable. You know, there's only so much that you can predict when you're standing at the plate waiting for the ball to come at you at 90, you know, to 100 miles an hour. And games are won and lost in milliseconds based on, you know, whether the player, uh, let's say a batter, whether he's hoping to hit the ball or whether he's committed to what's going to happen next. Uh, if you're in a state of hoping, you're in a state of confusion. You're going to hesitate, make mistakes, people get hurt, games get lost. You've got to be able to make sure that even in an unpredictable situation that you have practiced at a level that an, on a split-second decision, you can commit and go for it. Whether you hit the ball or not, again, when you're talking about baseball, you're talking about statistics. You know, seven out of ten times, you're not going to make a play. You're not going to hit the ball. But you've still got to have that laser focus, and that laser focus comes from commitment, not from hoping. So at this level, you've got to make sure that your mind isn't wandering and that your brain is firing uh, in automatic patterns. And by that, I mean when you practice, when a player practices, they've got to have what's called spotlight focus. Spotlight focus means you're very focused on what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it, and you're creating a re-patterning of your brain. The brain uh, it wires together, fires together based on what you repeat. It builds automatic patterns, so when you're playing in the game, then you have uh, instinctual ability to play when you're under pressure and not reverting back to um, nerves and something that's happened in your past whenever you've missed a play. As an example, uh, I was out, it was last year out at um, one of the practice games here in town, standing with a reporter, Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, reporting on baseball, 
and uh, he was asking me, you know, about what I was doing and stuff. And uh, he said, well, give me an example. And I pointed at one of the, the guys that was uh, warming up to bad, and I said, that guy's going to strike out. And I said, how do you know it? I said, because I'm watching him, you know, swinging the bat, and he's swinging the bat low. I said, he's going to strike out, and he's going to strike out by swinging underneath the ball. Sure enough, the guy gets up about four pitches, and he strikes out, and he strikes out by swinging underneath the ball. And he looks at me, he's like, how in the hell did you know that? And I said, because a batting coach will never pick up on it. A batting coach will see the guy hitting the ball perfectly because they're very focused, and he's not under pressure at that point. The minute you go under pressure, the nerves kick in, the mind kicks out, and you're basically SOL unless you've practiced at the level that you're going to play. And even standing, waiting to come up to the plate, you've got to be able to swing the bat the way you want to swing the bat, maybe not at the same speed, but certainly at the same level as when you're going to get up to the plate. And, um, you know, my, my thoughts here are you've got to be able to have the confidence, the clear thinking, and the consistency, and you do that by practicing on the field and also through the imagination process of being able to retrain your brain, rewire your brain so that you can play at the level that you know you can even under pressure. Bam. Love it. Yeah. That's so... Yourclearedge.com. <laughs> yeah. She'll be here all week. So... Uh, the, uh, <laughs> those cards and letters coming in. <laughs> so this is ideal. What are you talking about? This is the ideal situation. Now... Say somebody hasn't made it all the way to this point, but they're they're on the path to doing so. Maybe they just started. Maybe they are there any quick like brainwashing quote unquote? Or you, pretty much, you're saying you need to be autopilot when you're. Well, when you you're brainwash playing. yourself by picking how you're going to brainwash yourself. Because brainwashing is simply somebody repeating patterns to you until the point that you believe it, and that can be from TV commercials. That can be from being put in solitary and somebody's, you know, telling you something over and over again or the music you listen to. You have to decide how you want to rewire your brain so that you have a belief in yourself that you can do it and be very specific as to what it is that you can do. So guys don't just go up there and say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I teach them how to talk to their brain specifically and exactly what is it that you're going to do. So they're going to tell themselves, you know, I'm going to, uh, whatever their language would be around the sport, you know, if I've got guys in the NFL, based on position, they're going to tell themselves something different about their position right. as to how they're going to play. If you're a batter, it's different than a pitcher. It's whatever your language is that describes how you pl- how you make your plays perfectly and exactly the way you want to time after time. So telling, being able to notice that you're making progress is by still having the hoping thoughts, but also at times not. Well, you, right, hope for, like you hope for the right present at Christmas. You yeah. you have confidence in your play when you're on the field. Mm-hmm. And you do that based on um, what you create before you ever get to the field, what you do moment to moment when you're on the field. You play instic- instinctively during the game, and during practice you're always in a stage of um, looking, observing, not criticizing, observing what went right and what went wrong, and, and then making those corrections and telling yourself exactly what those corrections have been. Deborah, do you ever teach this at the high school level? I would love to. Hmm, I okay. need an invite. I need an invite. Yeah. Fly me out, Kenya. Yeah. I have to. I tell you what, there was uh, a high school kid that I worked with out of Texas, and uh, his dad actually sent me a, uh, an email and said that. Uh, the imagination exercise that I taught him and then I recorded for him so that he could um, 
listen to it before games, and this is because his batting was down, that uh, his dad said he listens to it every single time they're driving to the game, and it's made such a difference in his confidence level and his um, batting stats. Seems like I'm just thinking about this going beyond sports and even, you know, for like testing and Absolutely. Like got to be able to work. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm using it right now as I'm developing a program for the um, uh, parents of autistic children. Oh, so that okay. the parents of autistic children being part of uh, Balance the Spectrum and Sounds of Autism, that they can learn how to de, um, desensitize, not desensitize, how they can self-regulate their um, stress and the struggles and the nervousness and those type of things and create a culture for their autistic child that's going to create mm-hmm. a better learning style for them. Hey guys, uh, I love it. Yeah, we actually do have to take a break. On the other side of the break, it's called Best and the Worst, Not Good, Bad, and the Ugly. That's on my friend's radio show. Sorry, Donnie, I didn't mean to steal that. Uh, and I'm going to also teach Deborah how to say wash correctly. Wash. <laughs> In Chicago, we wash our cars. flagship station for sports voice america sports get ready to talk sports with the big guys tune in to lockdown coverage with keith lewis every tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team the players and what's next it's time to have fun with the game Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah DeVries, Cindy Liska in studio. Kenya Simone on the line. Hi. Uh, we have a new segment that we are implementing right now. It's called Best and the Worst. Very, uh, very, you know, original title. Cindy, you have to go first. It took him hours to come up with yeah. that title. Okay. Um, my best this week. I like to give a shout out to Marcos Scudero. Um, I think he's proven that anything can happen at any given time. He's 36 years old. He's been with eight teams, and I think it's all about finding the right fit. Um, to make it work, um, and it got him the MVP, and it got the Giants to the World Series. Um, my ba- bad, worst, what is it? Bash, yeah, Best there you worst. go. Bash. Worst is uh, the NHL is on its 38th day of the lockout. I think it's killing the sport. Um, oh, because it wasn't dead already? Okay, continue. <laughs> what? 
it's a bad thing for the NHL to go 38 days when they they keep doing this. They got to stop. <laughs> but they it's a good thing. For, it's a good thing for every other American. Okay. Anyways, that was good. I know. I I agree. I mean, I don't think any lockout should ever. Uh, I don't think that there should ever. That's their career. You know, they should be able to play fine. They should be able to figure things out. I mean, we go through this so often. They should be able to work things through and not have to have a lockout every year. Get a long-term contract. Yeah. Deb? Yes, the best is the Bears. One. Yay, I love it. Uh, the worst is uh, lefty Phil Mickelson at an NFL game in San Diego where he had the opportunity to raise anywhere from 100000 to a $1 million for charity on Ship for Charity. And uh, he ended up not doing quite so well. And he made uh, like $50,000, still going to buy about 20,000 books, so that's cool. But there was an opportunity for a lot more. And uh, lots of booze, uh, a few cheers in there. Uh, he said afterwards it must have been a little bit more adrenaline than what he thought, which is uh, why he missed the shot and it flew so long. Uh, a guy that plays golf at a professional level, you would think could handle his nerves, but I guess not. <laughs> Certainly not in an unknown situation. He's so that's played, the worst. He's played in the Phoenix Open. He's used to cheering and booing, right? <laughs> yeah, in 16. Kenya, mm. what's your best and the worst of the weekend of sports? I would love to say my best are the Chicago Bears, but I'm going to have to go with Pence um, yeah, on the Giants. That's a good one. Was swinging and broke the bat and cleared the bases and just kind of... That was a cool Controversy about did he hit it once, twice, whatever. He <laughs> three times. Amazing. It was three times. Yeah, exactly. And then my um, worst is going to have to be the Lions for trying to mm. destroy Jay Cutler. Oh yeah. dear, homebodies. Okay, so uh, my <laughs> best is the Houston Texans uh, demolishing. I think is a safe word to use. The Ravens forty three thirteen. Pretty much instilling themselves as maybe the best team in football, which is it's interesting because they made the playoffs last year when they had a depleted offense and defense. Mario Williams was out for the year also. So with everything running on full all cylinders, they're a scary, scary team on offense and defense. And they got a bye week, so they got a tiny chance to rest up and go again. Yeah, this is going to be uh, it's going to be really interesting coming down the stretch to see what they can do. My worst, don't you interrupt. My, my worst, I would say, is. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't, segment, I don't want dude. to say. Come prepared. No, no. Right? I, I'm trying to pick which Arizona team is the worst. Um, I think it'd have to be Arizona State getting shellacked by Oregon. This is supposed to be a statement game. This was the battle in the desert for about two and a half minutes of football. So, I mean, it's it, what they didn't do outweighed so much more what Oregon did because Oregon scores a lot of points. I mean, we know that. Just this is supposed to be a good defense Arizona State has, so I, I almost threw up after the first quarter of that game, and then decided to watch something more interesting. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about: we have about four or five minutes left, I believe. We were we were talking about Cam Newton earlier, um, and I want you to bring that little thing in, Deb. Go on. <sighs> grow up, grow a pair. Um, <laughs> my thing with Cam is he's obviously an, a really, really good quarterback, and I think he's a really good guy. Um, he does, I think right now, RG3 and Andrew Luck need to be watching this real closely because this could be them next year. Um, when you've got a quarterback that was brand new that busted out of everything and did such a great job and all of a sudden now everybody knows what he does and how he does it, mm-hmm. he certainly doesn't have players around him to show him off really well, but you've also got to show up for interju- in, uh, interviews as a big boy. 
uh, even if he said some of the same things that he'd said, if he would have said them in a different tone of voice, if he would have stood up straight and acted like a man rather than his shoulders hung over and his acting like, you know, what are you, in high school? Um, I think it would have come across a whole lot different than it is right now. He looks defeated. He's supposed to be a leader. Uh, whether he has good points or not, which some of them I think he does, uh, he needs to show up differently uh, on the field, in the locker room, and at interviews. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that it, he um, he never lost a game in college between Auburn and the and the junior college that he was at. So every important football game that he played up until the first game last year against Arizona, he won. Right. You know, he was the best on the field at all times on the offensive side, and I think that. There is something a little bit, and this sounds a little twisted, something endearing about how he's acting. I understand that it's wrong. I agree that it's wrong. But he wants to win so bad. He's pouting on national TV. He's literally pouting, and they don't have a good team. So the the expectations, their their offensive linemen said that they were going to win the Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, you're eating your words there. Cam's like, oh, yeah, I back him up for that. That's ridiculous. Well, they just fired their GM. Yeah, right. but which is the wrong move. Mm-hmm. I, don't think that, I don't think that's it. I, I mean, I think that they're just a bad team. You don't necessarily need to always fire somebody because your team is not winning. You need to draft better. That's what mm-hmm. it is. And if the coaches, maybe the GM has almost all the power of player personnel, in that case, yes, fire. That's fine. But because it's never okay to throw a tantrum. No, but, but, right. he, but he's no, not. not. He's not. He just he's I mean, just whining like a little punk. I don't he's think whining. he's. Yeah. And I don't think it's a punk thing. I don't think he's calling out his teammates. He's like, well, you didn't do this. No, you didn't do this. He's calling you didn't out do this. the coaches, though. He's making it he clear said, that he's he not said, liking he said, the calls and liking the way. He it's, said, I don't know if it's my fault. I don't know if it's other people's fault. I don't know if it's the coaches. So he was kind of smart in that regard, where he didn't just call one person out. He has one. Aging receiver, uh, one aging receiver in Steve Smith. He has almost to, n- to no defense. Uh, they're tight ends. But here's the thing: these guys are are surrounded by people who teach them how to go on the me- how to handle the media, right. and they teach them what to say, what not to say, what and those type of things. Them. But here's the problem: because I've been asked in the past, you know, if I taught those type of things, and I said, no, I don't teach the guys what to say. I'll teach them to stay calm enough that they can say what they need to say in the right way, so that they look good, yeah. rather than getting nervous like some people do on the field or whatever sport they're playing, and then going strictly with their emotional upheaval that comes off where they're looking bad. Yeah, I, I think I that's going to take him a couple of weeks to get it together, and I just hope that he doesn't get it together when we. Like when Jesus, how many plugs, Kenya? Keep doing what you do. Yeah, uh, I hope he throws 700 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, no, I mean, but, but don't you get bored of all the droids that are, that are just sitting up there with the the post game interviews that won't answer shows, Jack? They won't answer. I think at least that he's this showing is, humanity. Yeah, I mean, at least I mean he's he's being himself. Hmm. You know, he's Jay a, colors himself yet. and he's hated for it, but people know that he's passionate. Philip Rivers yeah. is passionate. He, he will yell at people. I mean, he's 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 not reading something off a damn card that right. somebody right. gave so him to here's, say. Here's my right. point. I'm not I'm not suggesting that what he says needs to necessarily be a whole lot different. I'm thinking the mannerism in which he says it needs to yeah, be. He is say, he is a multi million dollar business. That's fair. He's yeah. not I mean, just Cam fair. Newton. He is a multi million dollar business, and as the head of that business, he needs to stand up like an executive and talk with passion. But talk with intelligence and passion in a way that we can buy it and not sell like some little kid. I think that is kid. passion. I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but I think he is pretty exemplary as far as his when he meets the press of how he handles the press, no matter good or bad. Mm-hmm. He's 
Well, very professional at all times. Well, yeah, but he's also the second or third best quarterback of all time. So he has a lot. He has a lot higher pedigree, a lot better pedigree than anybody else that we've just mentioned. But as I mean, a, it's easy as a as wannabe, a, you act like your examples, not like the kid in high school, right? Well, I mean, I think that Tom Brady and Cam Newton are polar opposites in that regard, obviously. So, I mean, I think that yes, think something needs to change, and I think that. I, again, I think that there's something endearing about what he's doing, even though even though he does need to grow up. He's I, a child. I feel for him. There's he's no a child. doubt. I feel for him, and I think he's again. I think he's a great person. I think he's a great quarterback. He just needs to learn that he's in the NFL now. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, yeah. and, and I and I do agree with that. I think two or three years down the road from now, we won't even be. We don't even. We won't even remember this conversation. No. Because I think he'll grow up. I mean, the sophomore slump is a real thing. Especially if you break all these records for rookies your rookie year, your rookie year, you rush for 13 touchdowns, you throw for over 400 yards in your first NFL game, Cardinals. Uh, I he mean, also it, threw 18 interceptions though last year too. Yeah, but I mean, but they had to throw the ball because they were losing a lot of games. And but yes, granted, he just but he has an arm. It's going to take a little while for him to, for him to become a man in the NFL. He has the body. He people forget that he's a child, even though he, mm-hmm. he's six seven. He's got this Adonis like Adonis like yeah. figure. Right. So uh, we gotta go. Uh, this guy's blue guy. This go. sucks. Um, yeah, I gotta go wash my hands. So um, that'll take about. <laughs> uh, so Alex Clancy, Devin Debris, Cindy Liska, Kenya. It's always been. It's always nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I hope the Bears lose every other game the rest of the year. Uh, we'll see. We'll on that note. We'll see you guys next week. Call me last for sports talk. Peace. Bye. Hang on, Kenya. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.